Welcome back indeed, episode number 71, Razzball Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun and Joel edition. Joel, what's going on, my man? We're here, we're live, there's like, <laughs> I don't know, 10 games left in the season. It, March is hard in Wisconsin because like, it should be nicer, um, and like it just isn't, and you're also like three months deep into winter, and you're just like, this has got to stop soon, right? So... Monday, I woke up and there was a goddamn whiteout outside my window for like maybe half an hour. And it just like broke me. So um, the sun is shining today. I'm feeling better about the world, but uh, heavy legs this part of the season. How are you doing, man? Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, it's raining out here, man. What the, what the I hell? Know, well, you've got atmospheric rivers Dude, that won't stop dropping on you. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah, the, the end is, is truly nigh. Um, you know, one thing I, I realized the first time, you know, because I, I spent many years out on the East Coast. So my first time out there, um, you know, it's like, man, I, I realized like the change of seasons is, is cool for a little bit. Right. And springtime is the most exuberant time out there, because like you said, people get so uh, just downtrodden and beaten down by the winter that. By the time spring comes, man, they're ripping off their clothes, basically running around naked, and just it, it, it's wild time. And just yeah, mentally the energy, uh, the energy level is just like people just going buck wild, you know, after being cooped up in the winter. So yeah, I feel you, I feel you. But Can't you know, wait. to to appreciate uh, the good times, you must experience and and understand the bad things. So you know. So here we are experiencing the bad things <laughs> is how that sentence ends. So like, you know, here's another plate of bullshit. For you okay. It's well, almost there. How many right. more weeks of this, you know? I, I, uh, no, I hear you. It's still soon, man. Soon. It, it'll, it'll be there soon. soon. All right. So episode number 71, uh, Jersey numbers, McCoy, McLemore, Willie Nollis, Bob Weisenhahn, and Dennis the Menace Schroeder. Um, yeah, I think soon we're going to be running into uh, it's going to be difficult finding jersey numbers, I, I, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, I need a new gimmick for next season. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, figure out some stuff. But, um, you know, we're a fluid podcast. You know, we're, uh, <laughs> we, we, we adapt and, and adjust on the fly. 71 points scored in the game. Uh, yeah, we're going to be running short on these two. Uh, Elgin Baylor, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, the Admiral, David Robinson. Um, impressive list right there. I feel like I need to watch that David Robinson 71 point game. Cause like, I don't think I can conceive of it in my head, you know, like Robinson's Robinson obviously played while I was alive. And I just don't have like a ton of like living memory of watching David Robinson play. And so like my, my like mental image of him is like as the elder statesman mentor figure for Duncan, um, so the idea of him dropping 71 is just like, how? <laughs> I'm, I'd be well, curious to watch it now. You know, as a Laker fan, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I watched a lot of David Robinson. He was freaking amazing. Like, first off, he was so freaking chiseled. Like, he basically mm -hmm. looked like a G.I. Joe figure, like, when you get out of the box, right? Just, like, cut up muscles, like, and, like, it, you know, like it didn't look like he was that like um, like I always felt like he needed to do more yoga just because he looked like he's just so chiseled and rigid. Like you didn't think like he was flexible, but the dude was a crazy athlete. Um, you know, he had a quadruple double game. 
you know, back in the day. I remember that. It's crazy. But, like, at both ends of the court, he could do everything. You know, obviously, like, yeah, I mean, the, the athleticism was off the charts. Uh, he had a pretty good, you know, mid-range game, too. You know, so he's a little lefty. Um, but, yeah, man, he was a he was a freaking beast. He was just... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, not just like one of the most athletic players I've ever seen, but very skilled, uh, just dominates at both ends of the court. Yeah, it, yeah, sick, sick. I'll throw that on the uh, the off season watch list of just like I'm already thinking about like what I want to do at you know once the regular season wraps up here, and maybe uh, when we get into like the the long stretch of no basketball, putting a uh, putting Robinson seventy one point game on the list was a good idea yeah for sure you're gonna you're gonna have good times with that um you know it's funny like thinking about last year uh i was talking to rocco a couple of days ago and uh i mean you know we're, we're we're already like talking about being pumped for next year's drafts you know we're <laughs> and, like, getting I'm, there too yeah i'm so i'm so amped man i'm so amped like i feel like uh there's so many things i kind of want to tweak and implement uh lessons learned I want to start applying, even though I hate doing projections, like I want to, you know, start digging into those. I feel like uh, there's some things I want to, uh, to do. I feel like that'll make them better. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm already pumped. It's, uh, it, it's good times. It's good times. Actually, all right, I'm going to pull up this article I read. This guy, Ron Chandler, uh, for The Athletic. And, uh, you know, he's a big baseball guy. And he wrote this thing this morning, or he wrote this um, piece where he basically uh, surveyed, you know, people that have done well uh, in, in fantasy leagues. And he kind of gave, like, his you know, six top six things for, like, advice and things like that. Uh, it was really cool. I think it's, you know, pretty applicable for uh, what we've been you know, kind of talking about. So just like to mm. highlight what you're saying, um, you know, more accurate player projections. I mean, that's kind of, you know, yeah, right. If you have the good projections, you're going to win. But I think uh, he was like, well, it's not just about having the best projections though, right? Because, it, and there was an interesting that he did, thing that he did. He said that they did a, he did a league where everybody knew the stats, right? It's so, right? So, I mean, that's better than projections, right? Like, that's, you know, the outcome. And mm -hmm. then he said from those experiences, it was still show, like, there was still inefficiencies, right? Which is kind of boggles the mind. But if you really think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's it's about, you know, the roster construction and applying everything and seeing how everything fits. So, yeah, so then, you know, he goes into, um, uh, you know, better sense of value, Right. It's just mm -hmm. like being able to convert the data into rankings, you know, bids and getting a better concept, um, contextual elements, you know, that affect players, uh, you know, little nuances like team environment, you know, changes, best shape of your life type of stuff. Um, you know, better. Jalen Smith is the starting. Power yeah, forward. exactly. I mean, we've talked a lot about <laughs> this stuff, you know, um, you know, better in draft strategy tactics, um, you know, better in season roster ma management. And then he goes into luck. Mm -hmm. And then he goes into this whole thing about how luck and um, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a really cool article. It's not that, that long. So if you guys want to check it out, go to, you know, the athletic Ron Chandler. I thought it was a pretty cool piece. 
because uh, you know just trying to get better right and just you know doing stuff like that it's, yeah. yeah it's interesting that like you know because when you're drafting in a in a circumstance where you don't know the outcome already you're not only doing the like team building exercise but you're also like doing the projection thing and you can you can sort of let one influence the other but if you know the outcomes then it really becomes like a a valuable exercise in like how to build correctly i think that'd be an interesting i'll, I'll definitely take a look at that i'd be interested in doing a, a kind of draft like that yeah too, that might be like, fun that might be fun yeah the, the one thing that he said was like you know he's like well you would you would figure that i guess they did it more than a few times and then he said well you know you would expect um just different ritters each time right just you know randomness because you know whatever but he said i mean there were a few guys that were f regularly finishing up near the top so that that shows that there's edges right there's mm -hmm. um there's a reason why certain players are better than others right and so yeah it's pretty cool um sorry about that tangent cool. it's just kind of no no, no just that sounds like good that. stuff uh so yeah you know i've had a lot of stuff on my mind like they just taking care of a lot of things so i wanted to uh you know hand this off to to joel so this is going to be joel's pod um you are the man i'm just going to be rolling the oar um <laughs> the rudder you know just going moving the direction rather than put it putting it up and down the sails so uh the floor is yours my man well thank you i appreciate that um yeah, I mean, it, we're like I said at the very top, like we're really we're getting down to the very last days of the regular season here. Um, so my focus on my teams is really like sharpened. There's only a couple of teams left now that I'm still actively managing. Um, most of those season long rotos are cooked for me. Uh, I'm not in the hunt for any of them. So I'm mostly paying attention to that 30 team league, which we'll do an update on. Um and another team that I've got in the playoffs. So I was curious about like last week we spoke about where you're at with your main event team. You said that you were in sixth at the time. We're a week in. We're a week close to the finish line. Are is there good news for us? Um yes. No, I, I dropped down a spot, seventh. Uh okay. there was um man, there was one guy, he's just this guy, Roger Gonzalez. He just went on an absolute tear. Uh, the last like couple weeks, um, so he has 379 overall points. Uh, for perspective, I have 324. Yeah, okay. I, so I've come down a little bit. I was at like 330. Um, Fish Fish was up there. Now he's down at fourth, 360. Curtis Gazwich, he's right there, 370. He has two teams in the top 10, and uh, you know Wong's at nine, and Turner. So T Turner and Maria. So they're right above me in the overall. They're at sixth and seventh, but they're in my league. So I wasn't first in my league, but over the last week, they both jumped me. So now yeah. I'm so we're we're within one point of each other. It's like 70, 69, 69. So it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really uh really crazy. Um the last was it on, let me see, one, two, a few weeks ago, four, four or five weeks ago, um, I picked up James Wiseman. Nice. So I'm I'm liking that I, I you know I need some big man stats um, and I picked up Nick Richards in the most recent fab period so it's good so but I think um, me now because I I'm not, I don't have that much money left I have, probably have like thirty something bucks um, but it's just you know I'm just looking at the schedule I'm just gonna try to grind out as many games as I can 
That's I mean that's yeah. pretty much all I can do, and it's going to be tough because I know uh, Turner. I mean he's been a madman grinding, you know the the fab. Uh, you know, actually Rocco was saying like, yeah, he I guess they're in the league together too, and he was like, yeah, that fucking Turner guy is a fucking nut. Um, but you know he's really good with that. So you know being able to, and I know he's really you know proficient at uh, looking at schedules and games played and stuff like that. So it might be hard to get an advantage. So. You know, I just have to pray for health, and then you know, I mean, all I can do is just control what I can control, right, and grind. Um, but you know, I'm in, I'm in okay position. I don't think I can, you know, take the overall. I might be a little too far back. I would have to really have to get, I think, fortunate, um, and maybe have some injuries for those guys uh, to make a run. But um, I think I can hang in the top ten. I think, which and uh, you know, so now I'm just trying to, I just got to focus on winning my league, I guess. And yeah. then, uh, you know, hopefully it goes from there. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like I learned, especially um, approaching like how to deal with fab. Uh, you know, so like a couple of pods ago, I mentioned that that book, The Process, uh, it's more for baseball. But I mean, it's pretty much applicable to any any fantasy sport. And, you know, there's there's a huge section on, on fabbing. And I mean, the book is awesome because like they basically go the the data that they get from like the sample sizes are huge because it's from all the NFBC leagues. So, uh, you know, it's very data rich and they break down stuff. So like, I remember one section on it was, you know, basically kind of like the optimal time to, uh, I guess, uh, pay up in fab. And so, you know, the data showed that usually the first week on leagues, um, you don't need to spend that much because most people, right, they kind of are happy with the teams they drafted and they're not really willing to go crazy, right? And then usually it's like after that, maybe two, three, four weeks after that, that's when you see like the bids go crazy, right? Because people are trying to cycle, and then, you know, guys get hot yeah. and things like that. And then, you know, later in the season, teams drop out and then obviously there's not as much to be to be mined. And so I think one lesson I learned is... Um, I, I did go for a, a, a few. Um, I I think, yeah, I just had to be a little bit more judicious uh, in it because probably have, you know, save a little bit more cash towards the end because there's mm. an edge there, right? And Turner did that well because he's been going, you know, like five $1 bids every week, just grinding, getting those extra games, boom, boom, boom. And then when the opportunity presented itself, uh you know, he had money at the end, right? So he's able to scoop some guys and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully, my fingers crossed, man. Hopefully, I can make a run. Uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, we uh, I'm, we're rooting for you, hero. Uh, do you know what is the uh, like the cut line to get paid? Um, I think top three in the league, and then the overall. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Just curious, um, but yeah, that, I mean, regardless, like it's been a good, it's going to have been a much stronger effort this year than last year. <laughs> that was so, brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so we'll, brutal. We'll take the strides that, that are available for us here. <laughs> no doubt. Um, well, I wanted to to talk about one of the teams that has my attention now. Um, yeah. Last week we spoke about um, the games advantage that I had in this this thirty deep or 30 deep league um it ended up being the deciding factor i was able to to avenge your loss and uh move another round deeper into playoffs i won six three um 
you know, like I said, I, coming into the week, I had a Gabe's advantage on, on my opponent, and then he had he had sort of done a roster construction that was more stars and scrubs, like we've talked about. Um, Kyrie missed a game last week for him, which was a big deal. Harden missed a game for him last week, which is a big deal, and and those like really small, um, you know, games played ended up being the margin. Sort of like what you're talking about with like Turner and being able to grind and and maximize games played. Um, yeah, just having having guys out there to accumulate stats throughout is a huge, huge advantage. And um, you know, speaking of Fab too, I was uh, you know part of that that Corey Kispert deal um, was also opening up some money for myself here down the stretch. And part of that money was spent on getting uh, Reggie Bullock back after he hit waivers, and Bullock is okay. Um, you know, he's, he's playing 30 minutes a night. It's still Reggie Bullock. So, <laughs> you know, you take what you can get, but you know, the other, the other component in that was I spent a dollar on adding Corey Joseph. He's been good. Who, uh, oh man. He's been, a, he's been incredible, but we were talking last week about sort of the opportunities that are opening up here in Detroit, uh, coming down the stretch. We talked about Hamadou Diallo, like the day after yeah, he turned his yeah. ankle. On. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> out for the season, out for the remainder of the season. Um, but that's opened the door for other people, you know, like Bagley has been hurt. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich hasn't played since we last spoke about him. I don't know if he's going to play again this year. Um, Isaiah Stewart hasn't played in a while. Jaden Ivey is in COVID protocols. Alec Burks has been out. And so guys like Killian Hayes, uh, Corey Joseph, Rodney Magruder, your James Wiseman pickup. Yeah. I mean, these guys have been been playing really well. Livers. Wiseman's the top. Livers. Is oh yeah, right dude. There. Livers is. Well, he, you know, he was a guy that preseason there was speculation like maybe they he were talking a power about. Yeah, yeah. Job. yeah, I remember. And then they just brought in a million forward. Yeah, right, right. And, um, but yeah, Wiseman's been a top seventy-five player over the last week. He's playing almost thirty minutes a game, uh, seventeen and nine with one point three blocks. He's shooting sixty-four percent from the field, like. As a fan, I'm just I'm excited that he's able to to sort of get out of Golden State. Yeah, I want to see find some success. Yeah, I want to see what he can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, Corey Joseph has just been he's been on one. He's been a top ninety player over the last two weeks, uh, playing just under thirty minutes, thirteen and a half points, just under five dimes, one point three steals, one and a half triples. He's shooting fifty five percent from the field during that stretch. Last night he did it again. Uh, eight of 14 shooting five threes, 22 points, five point, five boards, five dimes and a steal. Like, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the advantage of having, a, having some money left over is like, you can, you can find these guys on the wire in really, really important spots. No doubt. The best tweet I saw last night about Corey Joseph, I think it was Caitlin Cooper. Um, but she was like, what a, you know, basically what a time to be alive. Like they're, blitzing Corey joseph like trying to get the ball out of his hands it's like <laughs> yo like like what the hell is going on here you know what's wild so i've been watching some uh some piston games because i'm a fucking sicko right. um and like Corey joseph is like coaching the hell out of killian hayes mm. on the floor like killian is getting more run now especially with ivy on the sidelines yeah. and he he killian is just 
he looks really thirsty for shots. And so there are times when he and, and Corey Joseph are sharing the floor and you can see Corey like pointing at where the ball needs to move and, and how things should be going. And Gillian kind of struggled last night. He, he missed a lot of shots, but like that Pistons offense kind of works with Corey Joseph as the point guard. Like he gets just roasted defensively. The lateral quickness is gone. Um, but he's a, he's a really experienced veteran guard and he's finding people on pick and rolls. He's, he had a couple of nice passes to Wiseman. Um, you know, five threes is obviously a really happy accident. One that we'll, we'll take gladly yeah. with my, my team over here, but Definitely. he's, he's a vet, man. This is why you, this is why players like him are really veteran are, are really valuable. Um, and what a time to be alive indeed. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I mean, we were talking about this last, last week, right. In terms of like, kind of like the Houston Rockets, like, I mean, they, that's what they're lacking, right. That, that, that veteran mm-hmm. guy. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I read a few articles during the season, like regarding that. So I don't know why Houston didn't address that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you're looking at teams like, you know, Detroit, you know, we talked about Bojan and court, like, um, yeah, just, you know, having, yeah, like they, the young kids, the young cats, they need that direction, right? They, cause they have, they don't have the experience, right? They don't know. So you need guys to tell them and, um, yeah. So now we're seeing, <clears throat> you know, truly how, how valuable, uh, these kind of guys are. And then, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, like, yeah, they're going to get run. And then, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're professional basketball players, so they can, they can play, right? Like they're good. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's good well, especially you're in your thirties, you know, like you've figured some things out. Right. <laughs> you've made, you've managed to have like a 10 year career. Like yeah. obviously there are things that you have learned and, and it doesn't just disappear just because like you said, the lateral, the lateral quickness is gone or, or whatever else. Like, yeah, Corey Joseph has been a great, great ad. Um, nice. Yeah, no, that's a great pickup, man. You know, Hey, two games, you got two games left. You can, you can take it. You know, that's like, that's fucking exciting, man. I hope you. I hope We're you. getting close. Well, and you know, it's. I have the games advantage again this week. That's huge. Um, That's huge. It makes all the difference in the world, man. And like, because I have a little bit more roster flexibility, because I can move some of my minor eligible players down, and because I've had some injuries, yeah. um, you know, I, I can get, I can maximize these these kinds of opportunities with guys like Corey Joseph. Um, the other player that is getting a, a ton of burn right now for the Pistons is Rodney Magruder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's much more than just a three stream there. He started four straight games. It's like 12, 12 points, three boards and assists and like just under three made threes a game. You know, it's not a thing that's going to sort of solve a lot of problems for you, I imagine. But there's a, there's a player there that, that could be useful in certain spots. Um, the other guy that I wanted to talk about who has just been massive for my team um, is Brooke Lopez, who over the last week or last week, he was the fifth best player in nine cat fantasy, uh, averaging 23 points, 7.7 rebounds, uh, one steal and 5.7 blocks. Um, obviously the blocks will have a huge impact on why he's so high up on the player Raider. Um, 1.13s or 1.33s shooting 54% from the field, 84% from the free throw line. Brooke Lopez has been amazing. Um, 
both in real life and in fantasy basketball. Um, that was a guy that I traded for mid season. And, That's you great, know, like with a great trade in a, in a dynasty league, you don't really love taking on guys in their middle thirties. Um, but Holy cow, Brooke has been outstanding. Um, that was a fantastic trade. I, the, the, Actually, the most eye-opening stat for me, actually, is uh, not the blocks, none of that. It's one game missed. He's only missed one freaking game, you know? And, like, yeah. you know, I, I just keep, you know, that's one thing going into you know, this year of prep. Like, I mean, you know, discount, right? He was so discounted from the year before, you know, the back, you know, it's just, and the, the narrative was, you know, he's done. But, A, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, those opportunities, I mean, you got to you gotta take a chance, right? Because he was so discounted that the risk-reward ratio was so worth it. Um, and, you know, all those people that drafted him, I mean, I mean, they're reaping tons of reward. I mean, you traded for him. So that, that in, a way, in a way, that's probably more insightful, right? Because you saw it and then you were able to pay for it, whereas, you know, a lot of people... Again, our, our league's a little different because of salary cap and stuff like that. But, you know, there was probably, you know, the other side was like, hey, yeah, he's old, right? He's injury prone, you know, F it, right? I don't, I don't need him. Like, so the value is probably depressed on that. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I'm just looking, you know, so Brooke missed one game. Giannis has missed three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, that's uh, he's he's been a beast. He's been really, really good. Man, and not only that, he also um, is playing Big Brother. I don't know if you caught. I saw that. any of that that game against the Kings last night, um, where he got ejected because Trey Lyles was was fucking with the franchise player yeah, over there. You can't do that. Wasn't having it. Yeah, you can't do. You uh, can't fuck with the franchise. You can't do it. No way. <laughs> um, in our in our uh, league Slack chat. Uh, someone mentioned that they were, their discussion was on Brooke Lopez and defense. And uh, this person mentioned that they didn't think that Brooke Lopez uh, or they thought third, that he was the third best defender on the box. And I don't think I agree with that. I'm curious about what, how, how you see Brooke as a defensive player for, for Milwaukee in real life. I mean, he's instrumental that defense because uh it's out inside out uh, mm-hmm. so you need that rim protection but i mean I, I can i can understand where that person is coming from though right because giannis is super valuable because a lot of times they kind of let him roam right? exactly and so you know kind of center field like safety type and so he i mean he's very valuable too because you know he's scrambling all over the place but he can defend the rim and you know you know, backside and, and things like that. But then, like, Drew Holiday and even Javon Carter, like, they're super valuable, too, because you need that point-of-attack defense, you know, like, fight through screens, just be really tough. And, you know, I mean, you know, the Bucks weren't able to take that next step, that, that next step until they acquired Drew. And one of the main reasons, I mean, he hit some great shots and he was offensively, mm-hmm. he was dope, but... I mean, his main thing was defense, right? And, like, just having that point-of-attack dog out there. And then you have Giannis Roman and then Brooke just being a fucking mountain in the middle. So, 
And it's a tough one. I mean, I could see him being third, but at the same time, I can be like, well, even with that said, he's super valuable because the scheme is built around him. So absolutely. You know, so I guess both. Yeah. No, I I feel the same way because you know it's apples and oranges. You know the way that Drew guards is not the same way that Book guards. Um, but I think the thing that you were sort of talking about is like they all complement each other. Sure. You know, like because. Because Brooke is this like backline anchor who's so big, and he plays that drop coverage so well that like even if uh, even there's a shot that's getting off, it probably isn't a great shot, or it's the shot that that Brooke has sort of coaxed you into. Um, one of our league mates referenced this Wall Street Journal piece by Robert O'Connell, um, and the headline is like if Brooke if Brooke Lopez lets you get a shot off, it's probably a bad shot. <laughs> um, it was a really good piece. Uh, it came out late December, um, and at the time, uh, O'Connell referenced that Lopez was leading the NBA in contested shots per game, which you know if you if you factor in contests plus blocks, like it's just really really hard to score in there when he's near the basket, um, and because you have that like defensive anchor, it allows for Drew to be really aggressive sure. and to like to jump passing lanes and to, to sort of funnel people there. And then it, it liberates Giannis to be that backside, like free safety defender that you're talking about of like just swooping in and being able to, to alter shots or to change or contest. Like all three of those guys really, really work together defensively. I, I, I'm starting to believe in this Bucks team in a pretty serious way for this postseason. Like that's. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a tough team. Um, that game against Sacramento last night was really fun <laughs> too, man. What a, what a great time that was. Um, I liked it when they got nasty. Yeah, um, it's, get, it's getting nasty time. You know, we're 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 getting into money time. So um, I like the chippiness. You know, I like the intensity. I love it. For sure. Um, so I I wanted to talk about the Clippers. <laughs> Speaking of getting getting to nasty time because a few weeks ago you and I were doing this podcast and I did a very lazy analysis of like the Western conference of like who's, who I think is, is good or not. And when it came to the Clippers, I just said like, Oh, they're frauds. And uh, I was saying that because uh, historically I have been proven correct in that, but that's not, that's not actually like thinking, you know, right. that's just like, reacting to from like narrative uh, it's narrative dream. exactly and really like since since josh smith killed them like that's been kind of been true um well you cannot kill but, you cannot kill something that's all that's always been dead right? <laughs> what is dead can never die <laughs> um so i i did some digging uh into the clippers i obviously i'm acknowledging my bias of like i just don't i don't think that there's something that you really need to worry about in the Western conference. Um, so here's some of the things that, that jumped out to me. They're, they're fifth place in the West presently. They're 36 and 33. Um, the record is much better when, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play together. Um, offensively, they're, they're really struggling. They're scoring 113 or their, their offensive rating is one, 113.1, which is 23rd. They're really leaning on their defense, um, which is 113.6. So they've got a slightly negative net rating. Uh, they're 23rd in pace. Um, 
And really, offensively, mostly what they're doing is they've got three isolation-heavy players, um, and they just kind of let them cook, mostly in the mid-range. Um, they're the ninth most efficient team in the mid-range uh, on the 21st most attempts, um, and they're the seventh most efficient team on threes from the 12th most attempts. Uh, they shoot. They're in the top third in free throw rate. They take care of the ball pretty well. They do not crash the glass particularly hard offensively. Um, and defensively, it's it's mostly like we're going to make you we're going to make you beat Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> is is how it goes. They force a lot of shots in the mid range, um, and they contest pretty heavily from the three point line. Um, they don't force a ton of turnovers. Um, they they hit the defensive glass pretty hard, uh, and they don't foul. So it's a lot of just like staying at home and staying within themselves. Um, and so when I was thinking about like, it, should this team be taken seriously? Or like, what are the, what are the positives? Um, and the most like the, their strongest sword here is like Kawhi Leonard really is like back to being Kawhi Leonard. Like um, by EPM, he's the eighth best player. That puts him in front of Giannis, LeBron, Shea, Tatum, Harden. Um, you know, he's back in like the 98th percentile uh, of EPM. Um, he's having his best three-point shooting season in five years, uh, which is sort of offsetting uh, his downturn at attempts at the rim and, frankly, his conversion at the rim. He's in the 55th percentile there. Um but he's just a killer in the mid range. He's in the 94th percentile. It's his best season for the mid range. And I've got his, his shot density uh, chart pulled up here. And it's like uh, mostly just like the paint is where he's scoring. Right. Um, he's, he's really, uh, he really is like sort of just back to being the, the two time champion level of Kawhi Leonard, um, which is obviously a, a really great weapon to have. Um, and you know, from, we do talk about fantasy from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, his per game stuff, he really, he's a first round player. Um, I don't think I would ever take him because the totals are going to just mangle you. Um, but if you're just looking at like points per game, um, he really, he really is like just that valuable. Um, Paul George is kind of in a similar spot where like he also is just like a really good player. Um, he's 24th or 22nd on EPM. He's the 24th best player on Basketball Monster. Um, some of the steals have come down from the crazy levels. Um, the offense is coming back after the the elbow, uh, I guess, surgery was what ended up happening there. Um, the three point shooting isn't as high as it as it has been historically, but it's better than it was last year. Um, he's shooting more free throws to sort of balance out. Uh, a little dip in his efficiency. Um, he, he like Kawhi Leonard, is scoring most of his baskets unassisted. Um, I think 40, I have the note here, 42% of his makes are unassisted. That's the 11th percentile. Uh, Leonard is right around there too. Um, and so, you know, when you watch these games, you see just like the idea offensively is – you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are just going to be really, really challenging for guys to stop, and we're going to give them the ball, and we're going to let them cook. But the offense doesn't really, you know, the overall numbers are not super impressive. So 
it seems like they're kind of having trouble unlocking them or getting them to play within a flow where like there's a lot of easy looks that are coming. Um, you know, the other good, the other sort of like uh, positive for those, for the Clippers here is like, I think Ty Lue is just a good coach, you know, uh, he's won a championship. He's, he's demonstrated that he will pull any lever that is available to him in order to sort of get his team over the hump. Um, but I just don't think that's quite enough. Um, looking at the rest of the team, Mason Plumley is a, a positive player, barely by EPM. Uh, Russell Westbrook is also barely a positive player by EPM. Um, and everyone else is on the negative side of that. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook has had a really, really bad year. Um, this is no surprise, of course. Um, he's the 209th player on Basketball Monster. Um, he always was sort of a punt turnover guy. But now, uh, you know, it's really just dimes that you're getting from him. The points have dipped. The boards have dipped. The efficiency is really rough. The steals are sort of hit and miss. Turnovers are obviously a problem as well. Um, so since coming over to to the Clippers locker room, he's averaging 13 points, seven and a half assists, four rebounds, 1.4 steals. Um, he's his efficiency is just brutal. He's in the 14th percentile at the rim, the 14th percentile in the mid range, the 11th percentile from three, the 13th percentile from free throw. Um, and like PG and Kawhi. 30% of his baskets are unassisted, which is in the third percentile. Like what you have, you have three guys that are really competent um, or really comfortable, I should say, at trying to beat the guy in front of them. Uh, two of them do it pretty well. And Russ uh, does it a lot. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, after watching the Clippers more and after looking at this sort of statistical profile, <clears throat> You know, I just I can't really get there with them. I obviously it's a it's a great thing, a great luxury to have two like apex wings like Leonard and PG, especially because Kawhi is playing at such a high level. Um, but I think the lack of point guard play is really distressing. Um, the fact that so much of their offense comes in isolation um, seems like a problem, especially as you get to the into the playoffs where you know, defenses will get to scheme up against it a little bit more. Um, the fact that they don't generate a lot of easy offense as far as, you know, creating turnovers on the other end and playing back the other way, um, both by points per possession and points per game. Their transition offense is sort of middling. It's it's mid-pack or worse. Um, you know, they've got other offensive weapons like uh, Bones Highland and Norman Powell and Eric Gordon now, but I worry about like the lack of playmaking because it really just is Kawhi. PG is, has handled that a little bit, but not as he hasn't been as effective as I think they want him to. And just the lack of a point guard, it seems bad. So I don't, I don't think that the Clippers are, are going to, I don't think that they can use that formula to win three series in the Western conference and get to the finals. Man, that was a, uh... <laughs> really good breakdown. Um, yeah. Well, I meant to write it, and then I just decided to talk. Yeah, it, no, so. no, that that was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. all right, all right. So I'll start here. Like, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, 
one thing, the last 10 games, the offense has been a lot better. I think they've been ninth in, in offensive rating. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, it just took them some time to figure out some things. Um, could have been matchups, you know, whatever. Um, but I do think there's a lot of upside on that end. Um, and this next thing that I'm going to say, I, I mean, I can see it going <laughs> both ways, right? So playoff basketball uh, transition you know, points are, are negated or mitigated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because scouting is so, you know, detailed and then especially in a seven-game series, uh, you know, opponents, like, everyone knows each other's plays. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, that type of, like, uh, advantage, um, like, a lot of teams that rely purely on, you know, their offensive schemes, like, they get really bogged down. And so what ends up happening, especially in playoff basketball, is, you know, hunting matchups or mismatches, right? So you, you find a weakness, you're just going to just just keep picking on that dude until, you know, the coach takes him off the game. And then, I mean, what it usually comes down to is the superstars, you know, like they end up throwing the ball to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so like, yeah, so on one end, I could see that being a problem because, yeah, in the playoffs, like defenses get more intense, like they close off the lanes, easy shots are done. So it's easier to defend them. Uh, So offenses can get more bogged down. But at the same time, um, that's how playoff basketball ends up being anyways. So because the Clippers are so well-versed in that, that it won't be like a a drastic change for them because that's kind of like their MO to begin with. And I think it just comes down to health for them um, because obviously, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are, I mean, two of the best isolation scorers in, in the league. Um, and then, you know, just having to figure out incorporating Westbrook. And I think that the, the thing that intrigues me the most about the Clippers is that, um, man, they're fucking deep and they can, yeah, they have a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, not just, not just specialists either too. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they do have specialists, but they have a lot of dudes that can get a bucket. And I think more than that is they can, they can play any style. They can go big. They can go small. Like, I know, like, a few weeks ago, you know, they were down. I think Memphis, they were down, and then they went small. And then they eradicated 20-point lead, and then he came back. And so, you know, Robert Covington, Batum, they can play small ball center. I mean, they can do a lot of different – Morgus can play, you know, small ball center. So I think they can present a lot of matchup problems for a lot of teams. And then if teams try to uh, utilize their kind of, like, you know, depth lineups or whatnot, they can kind of combat them, right? So just a lot of versatility, a lot of firepower. Um, you know, the rust, the rust angle is, you know, that's always going to be an issue, right? It's always going to be an issue. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I, I think they can be one of the better teams in the league. And when you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like health permitting, um, you know, they're going to be able to get buckets. Uh, so yeah, to me they're they're very dangerous, and um, feel like they're just kind of figuring out, trying to incorporate all the pieces, and Tyre Lewis kind of figure out rotations and certain lineups, like how you know pieces will fit, and um, you know situationally, you know what what are what could be his go to lineups or his go to matchups and things like that. So I think that that's still kind of like the ongoing process for them. But yeah, I I think Tyre is a great coach. Uh, 
to me, it just comes down to health for them, man. And, you know, like we talk about, or I talk about, like, you know, the game of death, you know, journey. I mean, they've, they've been through, they've been through the ringer, man. You know, they've experienced a lot of shit over the last few years. Uh, you know, I mean, they've went from the high expectations of winning it all, right, to the failure, you know, to injuries. So, I mean, they've paid their dues, you know, and I mean, I kind of feel like they're kind of being overlooked, to be honest with you, right? Because, you know, everyone's kind of writing them off a little bit, but um, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team, you know, but we'll see. But a lot of points that you make, you know, it's uh, they're valid points too, right? So um, they're not flawless, right? And, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that can go wrong. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see them play this year, for sure. Yeah, I think that the Western Conference playoffs, um, I don't know if it's going to be like super high level. I think it should be really competitive. I think so. Though. Yeah. Like, um, and you, you know, like the idea of of having a a playoff roster with Kawhi Leonard playing like a Finals MVP and Paul George playing like a as a very compelling second option and giving Ty Lu all those different pieces to work with, like that's a, there's a puncher shot there for sure. Um, You know, I think one thing that's going to be interesting is like what happens, what happens with playmaking, you know, cause like the trouble with, with playing Russell Westbrook in key moments is like defenses just don't respect him because he's so inefficient. Um, And so if you're, if you're going to take him off the floor, obviously you can, you can build a lot of different things. And then you make, you know, Kawhi or PG be primary ball handlers. And, and, you know, there's been like some pretty good results with that. Um, Leonard is in the 77th percentile by assist percentage um, and the 90th percentile in turnovers. So like he's, he is a, a guy with the ball in his hands that can really like pick you apart um, and is obviously a, a great threat to score. Like you be in two thirty, six seven, and just like a, a bully, like he gets to where he wants to go. Um, they've experimented with Paul George as a primary distributor too. Um, he also has had some pretty good, good numbers as far as assist percentage. Uh, he's in the 87th percentile there, um, but it, he's struggled with turnovers yeah. too. Um and so I just, I, you know, how do you survive um, in these moments where, you know, if, if Kawhi Leonard isn't on the floor um, and, you know, you're, you're relying on Russ to be that, that point guard, um, you know, they, it's been a position of, of weakness for a while. Uh, you know, that John Wall was supposed to be an answer and that didn't really work out. They flipped Reggie Jackson for Bones Highland and, that kind of hasn't worked out for either team. Um, yeah, I think they. Yeah, I, I think they have a lot of options there, though. You know, um, I mean, Man can play point. Gordon can play point. Powell can play point. Granted, they're not going to be the traditional type of point guard. Uh, they're more mm-hmm. probably scoring. Um, but I think they can fill that role. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the, uh, like a Monte Morris type of you know, facilitate the offense, run plays type of thing. Like, they don't have that. But, I mean, we kind of talked about that, though. They're not really a play-driven type of team, right? So uh, they kind of don't need that. They, you know, probably scoring, the scoring point guard is probably more uh, in tune with, right, like 
kind of like their mo so yeah we'll see though yeah you know what i would love like it would just be the most fun contrast in styles is if we got a king's clippers first round series um just like all that offense all that speed that would be awesome playing downhill De'Aaron fox just rushing um versus uh this like you know because like what do you if you're the kings like you're gonna throw harrison barnes on Kawhi leonard and just like okay here here we go um i think it'd be a a fascinating series um i kind of hope we get it right now that would be the matchup that would be great i remember uh when the he's not fallen. when the Kings played the Cavaliers, I think pretty recently, uh, I forgot exactly when, but um, you know the coach for the Cavs was basically like, you know, the Kings run their offense so fast and at such a pace, it's like one of those things. I guess um, I'm, I'm trying to think the analogy for other stuff, but anyways, uh, like until you actually experience it, you don't like you can see watch it on tape, but until you actually out there like running around the screens or, you know, figuring out the rotations and stuff like that. You don't really know how fast it is. Right. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, like they, they kind of lit up a pretty good, you know, Cavs, Cavs defense. So, um, I'm just curious how that's going to work in the, in the playoffs though. Um, yeah. you know, cause when, you know, I don't know. It, yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun though, man. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to like, cause I, you know, I, I was kind of fading them earlier and, you know, you keep fading them, fading them, but they just keep, you know, balling and, and you know, they're showing a lot of grit, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, hey, you know, like, you know, we'll see. Like, even even those old Kings teams back in the day, you know, Weber, Bibby, all those guys, and, you know, granted, they had, you know, like Doug Christie, whatever, they had some defense, pitch, but they were more built around offense and they were very successful, right? So, uh, yeah, we'll see, man. <laughs> man, well, they gave they gave the Bucks a huge yeah. punch last night. Like that game, it ended up being like a nine point finish, but that game was competitive sure. coming down the stretch. Kevin Herter made a bunch of threes. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox has been like the best player in the fourth quarter in basketball. Um, the Demonis Sabonis had a triple double. Had it just like yeah. a, an, a, an abusive one. It was like. 27 15 and 17 or yeah. something like that like he was just spinning and he's got such great touch around the basket oh, like great. he was he was too quick for brooke he was too strong for bobby he, he got whatever he wanted i i'm really fascinated by by this king's team i hope i hope the moment isn't too big for them you know like it's they've never really been there That's before the they're gonna have to experience it they have to go through. That's why, yeah, I kind of, you know, don't take them too seriously, <laughs> you know, just because, right, there's a lot of new pieces, right? They got to figure out mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, but, you, I mean, you never know. Like, if you can score, if you have, you know, one of the best offenses out there, like, you always have a, have a chance. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to take this a different direction because I've just been thinking about, especially, like, Sabonis. Uh, just, you know, looking at his scouts and uh, <laughs> thinking about for next year's prep and stuff like that. My, my head-to-head teams and Roto and just drafting and um, like especially my head-to-head teams I, I, I definitely tried to I went a little too specialized you know punted too many categories and like it was a good experience going through that uh, I just think that you know it 
everything has to work like perfectly right and that's just the margin yeah. of error is just too slim uh to i think make that uh, a viable like consistent strategy and so that just got me thinking and um like yeah in the beginning you just try to accumulate as many well-rounded you know high usage guys as you can and the reason why like when you talk about Sabonis, why I, my mind kind of went that way is because I've been thinking about it a lot. And, you know, when I do projections and like stuff like that, all that stuff, points are great. Double, and you know he's going to get double-double, right? And he has mm -hmm. a chance for triple-double assist, but you're not getting defensive stats. And I used to always put too much of an emphasis on that, right? And because I'm always fucking looking for like, the perfect player, that well-rounded Macau Bridges type, and and then especially for a big man, I put too much weight on can they shoot free throws, blah blah blah. But then now I realize, you know, fuck that. <laughs> Just accumulate as many, you know, the points, you know, rebounds, whatever, assists in the beginning, and then, and it, it kind of ties in like the Rudy Gobert, right? Like oh. we gotta, I think we have to eschew like the specialist in the beginning, right? Just get the fucking well-rounded dudes that give you a solid foundation. And then once you have the solid foundation, the specialist, that then you start going for the specialist. Then the free throw is not going to be that much of an issue because the impact is not, you know, as high and the volume is low. And then and you can fill in the defensive stats. Like, I think I put too much of a premium, you know, on, on some of that, right? Like, you know, obviously, like, you know, maybe like, a Miles Turner type, you know, like that type. Okay, it makes sense, right? Because you get threes, right? You get some rebounds. The, the block, I mean, the block the rate, amazing. yeah, it's just so, you know, it's just so elite that, okay, right? But, I mean, you're not a zero on points, right? And things like that. But then, you know, Brooke Lopez is there, right? You know, Daniel Gaff, like the Daniel Gaffer, the Nick Claxons of the world, like those specialists, you can, you can fill in. So, you know, like where, like where I'm kind of at right now, and, you know, we talked about this earlier, like the Casey Chow working backwards, right? Like, I feel like, because we know who the high usage all-round guys are. You know, we know who the, mm -hmm. the bonus, the, the Jimmy Butlers are, whatever, right? And so then it's like, then I feel like, at least for now, the way I'm kind of approaching it or thinking about it is like, okay, where are the blocks at, right? And then once I, I feel like, once I figure out where the blocks, at, blocks are at, then like the past, like everything becomes more clear, right? Then it, then it's it, like, I don't know. I just feel like the map is open. Then it, it really defines like what I can and what I cannot do. Uh, so yeah, sorry for that rant, Matt, but Sabonis <laughs> kind of triggered, triggered me on that. Because <laughs> I always, I always underrate him, you know, like those type of players, mm -hmm. I always underrate because I overrate, you know, I'll, I'll overrate the lack of defensive stats too much. And yeah. I know what you mean. I, I was thinking about that, in a similar sort of vein too. Um, Cause I remember, I remember in the, the mid season uh, Racco draft and I was, uh, I was at the turn. I got Dame again, which, you know, I've, I have a lot of Damian Lillard this year, um, which has been great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he, he, he's awesome. Um, and at the turn I was thinking about, Devin Booker versus Donovan Mitchell. I ended up taking Mitchell and it hasn't really, um, it hasn't really split. It's been fine either way. You know, like I, 
I took Mitchell because at the time uh, Booker was injured, right. you know, and that played a big factor into my mind. I, I've just been thinking about like how good Devin Booker is. And like, I think maybe, maybe for like the first three rounds, the, the focus shouldn't be what you're saying. The focus shouldn't be the specialists or the stats or the like a particular build necessarily go get as many guys as you can that could make an all NBA team. Yeah. You know, like that, that seems like a, if I'm going to be sitting here and like debating like, Oh man, is it, is it too early for like, uh, uh, you know, miles Turner or whatever, just like, or you could just like go get book who is like one of the 15 best players in basketball, kind of no matter what, or like, you know, the, the guy that, that people were really hyped about this year was Tyrese Halliburton. And like, that has worked, you know, like Halliburton has been really, really good from a fantasy perspective. People were taking Halliburton before Lillard. And I feel like one of these guys has a track record of being like uh, all NBA caliber guard. And like, you don't get any special points for being uh, right or timing the breakout on the right year. Um, especially if you're going to be taking them at first round value. You just like, there's no extra benefit for that other than looking smart. True. Um, well, Lillard did have injury, injury and age concerns. That's true. So that's why he kind of dropped. Yeah. For sure. Um, but like, you know, thinking about like fading Shay, it's just like, I don't know, man. He's really fucking good. <laughs> just <laughs> maybe just go get the guy who's really fucking good, right. like DeMontis Sabonis, right, right, you know, right. um, or Paul George. Like, it, there are, these guys exist uh, and we, we can like really galaxy brain it um, or like get really excited about a player like LaMelo ball. I'm like, you know, I really like LaMelo too, but um, he's not going to make an all NBA team. Yeah. He hasn't yet. You know? And like the fact that like, that like book and Lillard and some of these like more experienced guys are just so, their their high end is the best player in basketball. You know what sure. I mean? Um, so yeah, I think like I'm starting to get the the draft yeah, tingles here what, too, man. Yeah, let's open up, open them up, man. I'll feed it already. Uh, but yeah, I well, you, you, well, you know what's crazy is um, baseball, right? Right after the season ends, they literally start drafting like right after. It's, and I love it. I fucking love it, you know. But you know, because basketball, you know, they wait. Because basketball is, you know, lower tier, right? I, they might do it for football too, or maybe not. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. But yeah, basketball, we gotta wait like many, many months, right? So actually, it might be a good thing, right? <laughs> you know, so it allows us to kind of like unwind and prep a little bit. But I mean, it is kind of exciting once the season ends and you're able to just jump right into those jams. That'd be kind of dope. Yeah, man. I um. <sighs> I'm already looking forward to not drafting Trey Young. You know what I mean? Well, I'm really I'm looking yeah. forward to passing on Trey. Well, you know, that's another <laughs> thing I've been thinking about too is uh, percentages, right? Mm. I, I, like, I don't think, I don't think I can take those high, you know, high usage guys like with the bad percentages because it's just so detrimental. It's almost it's imp- so hard to to come back from that. Um, and you know, like like the Booker's, right? He's gonna shoot, you know, high forty percent, right? Um, it's and on that volume, 
it's just yeah it's so valuable right and yeah so like i've been thinking about that too so even lamello even i love lamello the triple double stuff mm -hmm. all that stuff but the percentages are so bad like so i can i feel like i can deal with the lack of steals and blocks from like a sabonis type player right because you can find you can fill in later but i mean trey young that you know 42 percent field goal on like 20 attempts how how are you how do you balance how, how are you gonna have balance that later like yeah zion and then zion's hurts yeah, and then yeah. Bucks, you, you know? know yeah exactly so uh yeah i'm definitely leaning towards towards that way too yeah one thing that i've been thinking about i guess uh, i'm outing myself now as someone that has been thinking about draft prep for next year so we're we, we, we are in all, line we are kindred spirits joe um one thing that I want to do is I want to uh, develop a number or a tool that will help me more clearly see the impact of percentages. Because, like, if you had asked me preseason, like, hey, Joel, what about Trey Young's percentages? I would have said, yeah, you know, they're bad. Right. Like, they're not the, – the field goal percentage is bad. But, like, it it kind of moves up and down and, like um, – you know, we'll, we'll sort of see maybe if, with Murray there, there might be some spot up corner action, whatever, but the volume component of it changes the dynamic of just like what you're saying, like the hole just becomes so big. And I don't think I really understood like the degree to which Trey Young impacts your entire team's field goal percentage. And so because, because field goal percentage is dictated by two numbers, it's, it's what you shoot and how many you shoot. It's slightly more opaque than the counting stats. Um, and really it's more opaque than the, the free throws because for the most part, most people aren't shooting enough free throws that the volume like can get fucking skewed. Cause like Trey young will shoot 25 times a game. Giannis. Giannis. Giannis well, and I guess Luca too, yeah. but you know, and also like, I guess the, the free throw guys are more obvious to me. Right. Maybe that's just my, my personal right. deal. Like I, I know it, but yeah, I think one thing that would be really useful for me is like figuring out a different way to, to either like visualize or like come up with a different number for field goal percentage at field goal as a category, because it's the one that I feel like I have the least handle on. I, I just don't, if you say like, 43% on 24 shots a game. That should mean something to right. me in a more concrete way than what it does now. Well, you know, you know, you've always, you've mentioned in the past that you're very like a visual person. So you should just probably just make like a chart or a colored graph chart yeah. or something. That would probably be better. Yeah. Is this is part of the, the off season yeah, prep yeah, that yeah. has been running through my mind. It's like, maybe I teach myself some data visualization. <laughs> here. Maybe I share that with the good folks who are also like me. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Trey should be, he'll probably be fine. He'll probably be fine. Take him at 12. Take, it, take him at 12 before Devin Booker, you fucking idiot. This, this is all <sighs> part of the process, man. We just, you know, like trying to get better. Um, you know, every little, like, you know, every little mistake, every little experience that we go through, you know, hopefully we learn from them. And then we just keep trying to build like Lego blocks. Just boom, boom, boom. And then hopefully, uh, you know, we, we get to the top right that's that that's the goal right and um yeah i mean you, you know the, the the crazy thing about this game is that um i mean there's 
there's a lot of like core concepts that uh, thousands of people have already written about and already said it, right? And they're all out there, right? It's like like the Ten Commandments type of thing, right? Like fucking right, Moses, Moses, like hundreds of Moseses have come down from the mountain, <laughs> you know, like they have blessed us. A raid of Moses. Yeah, yeah, a raid of Exactly, I love that. Um, you know, they, I mean, the knowledge has already been spoken and written, right? And like, it, like even that stuff from Chandler that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the pod, they're simple yet obvious concepts, but yet we never truly, fully, I guess, kind of grasp them and ingrain them. But like, and I think like I think that's what kind of fascinates me with this game because fundamentally it's a very simple game, right? And like there's the simple concepts can like bring you to success, right? But the game is so like the matrix is so advanced and I think especially because it's always changing, right? And like little nuances change the game where you have to like you have to kind of adapt with with the blob, right? The matrix, whether it be, you know, the new incoming rookie class, right? You know, change of a rule, uh, uh, fucking COVID, right? Like every year, there's always something. So like, even though like the basic, you know, core uh, constructs like will lead you to success if you follow them, right? Like, then you still have to be able to adjust and go around minefields and you know, like, you know, just so yeah. I mean, that's why. It's uh, it's so much fun, man. It's so fascinating uh, because you know, it, it, well, human nature too, right? And we fucking galaxy brain ourselves into into all sorts of stupid yeah. shit, right? Um, and you know, I think um, you know that's why uh, you know I, I really you know like I, I respect Rocco's game, right? Because a lot of times he's able to. I mean, he's identified the core and then he doesn't deviate from it. And then just the level of consistency, right? Like to me, the level of consistency shows that he's identified stuff and, and stays true to it and doesn't get mm-hmm. right. Like flustered by the noise or like outside bullshit, right? Like it's just like, boom, right? Um, that that's what we need to get to, Joel. We need we need more Zen in our life to just you know, right? <laughs> oh, Musa, Musa. Yeah. yeah, I need to have some sort of defense against me going. Oh my God, bowl, 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 bowl. Let's go get these blocks. <laughs> then everything will be it will be solved. You know. But you okay? Yeah, well, it, you know, I mean, it's a learning experience, right? So, so let me ask you that from that situation, the bowl, bowl situation. Like, what are your takeaways? From, from that? Ooh, I guess, you know, one thing that I, so I, I made two mistakes with Bobo, okay. or I made the same mistake with Bobo twice this year. Okay. The first was that um, in the Raz Jam, this team that I drafted that had really no center other than Rudy Gobert, which also hasn't really worked, um, I knew that I needed blocks. And because we had this like free agency window, Bull Bull was going crazy. This was at the height of Bull Mania when I was hitting the bull. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, the block rate will will help paper over this like JaVale McGee is my second center kind of deal. 
And, you know, I, I think I was kind of a prisoner of the moment there of like, you know, there were a lot of guys that were in that rotation that just like weren't available for the magic. And so that was part of why bowl was, um, you know, was available or why he was, he was able to get as much sort of run and shine as he did. It was just like, there were players that normally would play in front of him that weren't there. Um, but I was, I was trapped in that moment of like watching him go off and like, well, I got to go get him. Um, and then I also drafted him too early in the mid season draft that Racco put together. And that mistake with bull was what you were talking about, about, um, you know, being too enamored with the specialists. Right. Cause like, even by the time that we were, we were drafting for them for that draft, like, uh, it was, the shine was starting to come off a little bit, but I felt like I really needed blocks. I didn't know how to solve it. Um, and I was like, I was willing to overlook the fact that he's not very efficient for a big man. He doesn't score. He is, his minutes are capped. There are no like other helpers really like the, the rebounds were okay. The assists are not. Um, but I, I thought like this is going to be the piece that sort of unlocks it rather than like sort of seeing the total player there. And so, yeah, I just, I, I think that was an example of me not of trying to solve one problem with like a specific player and then it being done as opposed to like building something that's a little bit more holistic or like doing it piecemeal. Like, you know, at the time that I took Bull Bull, I took him in the seventh round of that Racco draft. And I was like, he's not going to be there if I don't take him now. I was on the, I was on the end. Um, I was just like, I would have gotten more blocks if I had just overdrafted Jaden McDaniels there, you know, <laughs> right. cause like he's the fucking starting right, three, right. you know, like he was going to play. Um, right. And so, yeah, I, I got caught up in like the, the flash and the hype. Yeah. And I, I was a prisoner of just like, this rotation isn't real. And also this player isn't very good. He does one thing very well. And that thing is the, the heart is the least common commodity. And so he has more value because he does the rare thing that he does the rare thing. Well, right. and like the limitations of who he is as a player just completely fell out of my head to say nothing of those his spots, in the rotations. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's, uh, oops. Yeah. Hey, hey, oops. We did it again. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's how we get better though, man. That's how we get better. Um, for sure. Yeah. You know, hopefully at some point in this pod, we will no longer have a pod because that means, you know, we have no more mistakes, right? Um, that's the eventual goal, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're always, uh, you know, that, that would, that then, you know, the pod would morph into like, you know, hopefully high level stuff, right? Where we're like count, counting, counting our stacks and chips and things like that. But, <laughs> that's right. No, that's... It's, it's a, a podcast of rolling off and I want this one and I want this one and I want this one. <laughs> That'd be nice. Hey, um, really nice job today. Uh, that was a really good breakdown on the Clippers. Uh, thank you for that, for, for, uh, manning the ship today. Uh, hopefully spring comes to you soon. Uh, take this rain away from LA for me. Hopefully you know, send it your way. <laughs> um, yeah, but have a good one. Thank you again, Joel. Likewise. All right, take it easy, man. Good to see you, Sam. Cool. Take care, man. Later.